percent this year. Oh, Baron shoves it down on Carolinko's head. What's up, podcast listeners? It's your boy Baron Davis, the newest investor in Blue Wire, ready to roll with you guys. Enjoy this podcast episode and so much more coming. Let's go, baby. Welcome in to the OBR Newswire podcast. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Want to first, before we get going, give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, betonline.ag, where you can use that promo code BLUEWIRE to get a welcome bonus that you can make sure you use a sport such as the NASCAR, UFC, and the NBA right around the corner. Use that uh, welcome bonus to get your gambling activated before the big sports uh, and football come around. So, um, yeah, get on there, go to betonline.ag, get that welcome bonus using the promo code BLUEWIRE. We're excited about today. I did not have an opportunity to get with anybody from the OBR staff, but I am going to give you guys another listen to an interview over on the other channel, which used to be Brown's Film Breakdown, but we have converted to OBR Film Breakdown. Before we made that transition... We had Nick Olson on that podcast to uh, to talk about his experience writing on Kevin Stefanski at Viking Territory, uh, among many other insights that he will share. So I wanted to reshare this one with you guys in sort of a downtime to talk about a wide variety of topics, you know, as, as far ranging as, you know, Kevin Stefanski's style, his path in Minnesota, how he got to where he is and, and uh, sort of how he mends Kubiak's scheme, his inspiration and whether Kubiak was how I, mean, I guess is how far directly involved Kubiak was with with uh, Stefanski's offense coordinator year. So as we work toward the season, we still have very limited understanding of Kevin Stefanski. We haven't had uh, mini camps or OTAs or anything and a chance to really hear him talk more. We get some from building the Browns, but I think these insights are pretty valuable. So I wanted to reshare. So um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this one again. If you've heard it, I apologize, but I do think it's really informational and uh, can teach you a lot about the, the, the Browns' new head coach. So let's get over that interview with Nick Olson. All right, excited to welcome in Nick Olson. Many of you, when you have found your um, you know profiles or write-ups of, uh, of Kevin Stefanski, you stumbled into his fantastic write-up, which happened about midseason, on why Kevin Stefanski might be the NFL's next great offensive coach. If you have not uh, been able to find that, I will link to it in the description of this podcast, and you can read it. It's worth your time to get a feel for what this scheme is that the Browns liked. Um, you know, They liked the coach, but they liked the scheme that he would – hopefully develop here in Cleveland, and we believe he will develop here in Cleveland. So I thought Nick would be the perfect person to bring on. Nick writes at Viking Territory and Zone Coverage and was nice enough to pull away from the national championship game that's on. I'm really doing me a favor and coming on. Nick, how you doing, man? Doing great. Happy to be here. Good, good. We're happy to have you, and we're happy to get some insight from you. So let's start with this, Nick. Where, um, you know, you, you've been covering the Vikings for a few years now. You just told me off uh, off air here, and I'm kind of curious as to – you know, when you come in, you know, Flip is, is calling, John DeFilippo is calling the offense, and uh, things start to stall mid to late season. They make that change. Stefanski comes in, calls the last three games. All of a sudden, he's getting an interview. I believe, I could be wrong here, but I believe that the Browns were the only one to interview him last year, uh, last offseason. And was that something that Minnesota people were pretty surprised by? Or was this like, we've seen this guy go through three coaching changes. He's lasted through three different regimes here. He's obviously a valuable part, smart guy, Ivy League background. Um, this makes linear path sense for him. Or were you guys like, whoa, other people are interested in this guy? 
I think jumping all the way to head coach after only being an interim offensive coordinator, that was a bit of a surprise um, to, to being a finalist uh, along with uh, Freddie Kitchens. But I think um, people knew that he's had a fan, just a fantastic reputation. Everybody in the building thinks um, he had a very, very bright future and knew he could wind up somewhere special uh, sooner rather than later. And as we've seen more and more Sean McVay's and Kyle Shanahan's come along, he kind of fits that build pretty perfectly. So um, same type of offensive scheme, same type of uh, has a reputation as a schematic guru. Um, so it fit, it fit the bill a lot. And then with De Podesta, you know, he's Stefanski has a reputation as an analytics guy. He's got an Ivy League background. That's where he was a defensive back in college. So um, it, it, the, the resume is kind of aligned. So it made some sense. But at the same time, going from I've called three games to being a head coach, that was a pretty big jump at the time. So um, would have been, an, I think, a surprise to Vikings fan if he were hired last year. But not so much of a surprise after what he's put together this year. Yeah, so he puts together this quality year. And in the midst of the season, as it hits midseason, you're writing this article, they're, they're, they're peaking. They're doing really, really well. And not to say that they didn't finish well. I thought they finished well despite some injuries. But they're peaking. And is there like a feeling among Vikings fans of this could be our next head coach? There was actually, in fact, before the the wild card playoff game kind of quieted the rumors. There was some talk um, that maybe the, the the organization would want to move on from Mike Zimmer and say, "Hey, you know, kind of like Marvin Lewis, you've hit your ceiling, but here's this young guy, and you don't want to let you know you don't want to be the Falcons and let Kyle Shanahan through the door or something." Um, so there was some talk about just they're so high on on Kevin Stefanski, but ultimately the ownership came in and said, "You know, Zimmer has been through a quarterback carousel, and his defenses have always been." competitive and he's only had one year with a losing record so we're going to stick by Zimmer and I don't think that's necessarily the wrong choice but I do think that everybody was very high on Stefanski and it was before they upset the Saints in that wild card round that was there was I think there were some serious conversations about that well that brings me to sort of you know an important topic when when you're talking about how well Kevin did as a, as a play caller which is you know, he takes over and and has this, this season that's pretty strong. But the scheme changed, right? The scheme obviously changed to Gary Kubiak's, the Shanahan tree stuff that um, people say, you know seemingly enjoy, which is heavy fullback usage, outside or wide zone, bootleg off of it, all of those fun things, high rates of play action, those things that you're seeing really succeed in the, the that's taking teams to the championship game between the Packers, 49ers, um, you know, mm-hmm. among others. And, 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 is that? Let me ask you this very important question. I think a lot of Browns fans want to know this question. Was there a feeling in Minnesota, or even you covering them, that this is something that Gary Kubiak is doing? Not that not that Kubiak can't have an influence. I think, you know, if 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 Kyle Shanahan was working with you know his dad, his dad would have a heavy influence. But um, it, it, my opinion of this situation is that obviously Gary's in the building. He's in, he's a wealth of knowledge. He knows what he's doing. He's been through. Plenty of seasons running this offense. He's won the biggest games in the world running this offense. He's a great mm-hmm. crutch. He's a great wealth of information there. But was it Stefanski doing the legwork? Was he the one developing game plans, just getting insight from those people around him, especially Gary? Um, or was there a feeling among Vikings fans, and like I said in your study, that this is Gary running this, and it's 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 probably... Uh, Kevin just asking, you know, situationally, hey, I have a pass play I like. Because a lot of times offensive coordinators will, you know, be passing game guys. Like, that's what they're – they don't really know 
um, offensive line run game adjustments that well, typically. There are some that are special and can do both, and you kind of get there as you go. But I guess my, 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 my big overarching question you can, you can deduce from what my long uh, monologue here is, is Gary the reason that they were successful, or do you think Kevin was the implementer of this system and was the guy driving game plans and was the guy driving in-game success? Well, I, I definitely get the impression that Gary Kubiak had a big influence, and I, I think Stefanski, once he came in, he realized, hey, we might have this opportunity. It was really, you can look at this two ways, because it was really Stefanski who wanted to bring in Gary Kubiak, and you know, he was promoted to full-time, had the interim label removed from him, was promoted to offensive coordinator, and literally the first thing he did was say, pound the table and say, hey, I got a connection with Clint Kubiak, let's bring in Gary Kubiak, and he had him hired above him, essentially. Um, and what was really a, a unusually egoless move in the NFL to say, hey, this is a guy who can help us win games. I've always been attracted to sort of the wide zone bootleg scheme, but here's somebody who's won Super Bowls doing it. And if I can get his insight and bring him in, then I don't care who gets the credit and we're going to roll with that. And I, I definitely think um, sort of the, the bare bones, fundamentals, coaching points, that's something that comes in. You know, it takes a village to build a scheme, especially when you're in your first year. Sure. So, and I think it was a uh, it was uh, sort of an egoless move to realize that, hey, I'm going to need a lot of help if I'm going to do this scheme, um, which, you know, Stefanski had never really been in a wide zone scheme before. They'd been a lot of different sort of West Coasty, um, different flavors of that. And we, with Norv Turner, he had been in an air Coriel offense. So he'd sort of been under different kinds of offenses. But I think he realized, you know, if I'm going to build a playbook from scratch, it would help if I could start, um, you know, copying Kubiak's notes. I will say, I think a lot of unique wrinkles that Stefanski had, especially in like the screen game, where the Vikings might might have had one of the best um, screen games in the NFL this past year. I think those are really Stefanski. I, I, I think it was sort of a team effort. You can't really say, um, you know, oh, point to that play and oh, that's, you know, that's a, that's an old Kubiak play and oh, that's a new wrinkle. Um, mm-hmm. You can't really divide it that, that even that um, granularly. But I do think Stefanski, um, he, there were definitely unique flavors that he brought about in the way that he used Stefan Diggs, the way he used Adam Thielen, the way he brought in and made 21 personnel kind of the identity of the offense and the way they had, they set structured their screens. So um, there's definitely unique flavors there. But I think he's also, you know, he, all along, he's just been, I'm going to be building around the guys that I have and the people that I have, and I'm going to do what works best. And, and we're going to switch to wide zone because we've got kind of an undersized offensive line. And these guys, they're not going to bulldoze people if you're running duo or something. But, man, they've, they've got some athleticism, and they can get out in front and reach guys. And if we draft Garrett Bradbury, then we can really start to turn this offensive line around. They were really bad running the ball last year. And I think with John Filippo, they, they just kind of wanted to try everything, and nothing worked. And Stefanski came in and said, okay, we're just going to drill – wide zone every day and we're going to get the fundamentals down so well and that's what made them from like a bottom three rushing team to a top half rushing team and what made Dalvin Cook had his career year and same thing with Kirk Cousins is like um you know he's 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 got some limitations as a quarterback but we're gonna scheme up these sort of half read bootleg plays that sort of are set up to be explosive and you know Kirk Cousins he takes care of the ball really well but we got to give him some defined reads so that he can take some shots downfield and he really turned around and, and brought these career years out of people by by building everything around them so that's what I think is really exciting about him is he's been in enough systems to be flexible with it but he's also knows how to get the most out of everybody and build his personnel and build the scheme to the personnel rather than the other way around yeah that was something i found pretty fascinating when when studying and reading up on him was um you know like you mentioned his exposure to different systems and then his willingness to adapt and and uh you know him saying he studied kubiak the 2015 texans are uh 
I think it was even before that. I think he was with Denver in 2015. But back when he was with the Texans, he was he always caught his eye and he told himself that, you know, if I ever get my shot, this is what I want to run. So I think that I don't have any doubt mm-hmm. that this is a system that Cleveland wants. I think that obviously Nick Chubb is a gifted vision. He's not as shifty as Dalvin, but he has great vision. And he really is a patient runner that has um, quick bursts to top speed. So I think while Dalvin's shiftier, I think that Nick does a lot of things that will be really effective in this scheme. And I think that's something Browns fans should feel um, you know, extremely excited about. I will say when you talk about Cousins, what's interesting to me is the first three games. Um, you know, he obviously struggled, if you look at the stat lines. Was there just an, an adaptation period there for Kirk before he started to really feel comfortable in this offense? Do you think that was kind of um, an adaptation for everybody? Because it is it is a completely different offense. It is one that is built on timing. You know, wide receivers have to make their timing cuts on these long boot action plays. Uh, you know, that, that that has to all work in unison. You talked about them drilling and repping wide zone and having that base play that, that you build everything off of. But there's a lot that goes into running, you know, four seconds worth of play action fake to finally boot back the other way and make those those throws downfield. Mm-hmm. And obviously Minnesota has two gifted route runners in Stephon Diggs and, and Adam Thielen. And I think Cleveland has, while not as, as maybe elite top two guys there, Odell is certainly... Um, one of those guys, but maybe Jarvis is not quite there where Adam Thielen is. But it does fit there. Do you think that? Do you think this is something that Baker Mayfield? You maybe haven't t- watched a ton of Baker, but um, just from your outsider view, do you think this is something he should be able to step right into and be able to handle? Yeah, definitely. And I and I think it's a what's what's really exciting is Baker adds another level of mobility, you know, and that's kind of a big thing about the boot action is 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 that mobility is is a big part of it as well. And Kirk Cousins, um, you know, he's not the least athletic pocket passer in the league, but he's not he's not he's not quite Baker's level. So I think that's something that you could build in, you could install. I think one of the really big things that's underrated in all this is James Campen is uh, I, I really think think, you know, having seen the the Vikings defensive lines go toe-to-toe with the Packers offensive lines for so many years he's somebody who I think can be able to do install the nitty-gritty and you know the Packers were never really a full-on Kubiak Shanahan level of outside zone it was was definitely part of their wheelhouse for a while and I think having him be able to install that with the offensive line um, and and you know it's all built around explosive plays and Odell Beckham you know that's kind of uh, I think it really sort of fits the, the weapons that he's that Stefanski is coming into so I think it's it's pr- going to be pretty exciting to see him build up that system around them as yeah. far as Cousins struggling out of the gate you know that's that second game against the Packers um, Mike Pettin did something really interesting where he just the the backside player would just chase the quarterback on every bootleg um, and it opened up huge holes in the running game obviously but it shut down the play action passing and they were kind of caught off guard with that and weren't able to adapt quick enough um so so that kind of destroyed Kirk Cousins stats in that game and he had one really bad back foot throw in the red zone um that resulted in a in an interception at a really bad time um the first the, the first and third game you know he did really well but those games it's sort of like Dalvin Cook was shredding the Falcons and so they just kept feeding Dalvin Cook and you know it he kind of strum, stumbled a little bit out of the gate but then they hit a stretch in like November where Kirk Cousins was just like it looked like an MVP candidate. So, um, you know, it, there might be some bumps in the road. And obviously, anytime when a new head coach comes in, you can't expect it to be night and day immediately. But um, I do think that the, the base um, scheme is there and the wrinkles will be added in there to, to make things build something interesting in the long term. You know, what, what I find fascinating to you mentioned Mike Pettin taking away uh, boot action by running that backside mm-hmm. in straight to the quarterback path, which is which is a really good way to. Um, you know, counteract that and take away something teams like this in this situation with what Minnesota is running that they want to feel comfortable doing. Uh, I, I think that 
San Francisco did a lot of that too. They took away some of those comfort level things, and then it puts them in in, in situations where score dictates throwing, predictable throwing situations, and then obviously sometimes you're down in distance will put you in those predictable throwing situations. Was there a feeling? I've, mm-hmm. I've studied a little bit. I'm, I'm going to really deep dive. Uh, I liked some of the shotgun stuff that they did. Was there a feeling of, uh, you know, watching them all year? Well, it's third and twelve, or it's third and eight. I don't really feel like they're comfortable in these situations. I know that the interior of the Vikings' offensive line wasn't necessarily something that they were great at pass protection wise, but um, I did like some of what they did throwing the football. Did you did you enjoy what they did in predictable pass situations in terms of creating opportunities? Uh, yeah, definitely. And you know, there there wasn't anything. Um, too fancy once they got down to you know just the, just the straight west coast drop back game but they'd like to rely on that a little bit to pick up you know a quick uh three five step drop and then then throw uh, after a hitch or something um and pick up some some quick yardage on a quick out or something um that was a pretty uh, reliable way for them to move the ball if they got into third and very long um and there's some controversy about whether that this is from zim or whether it's from stefanski but they would often do sort of the give up draw and just take the yardage and punt um and that was something yeah. that fans didn't love um and you know if, if when you see other teams like converting on third and 18 or something it, it can be frustrating but i don't think that'll be i i get the impression and this is purely purely guessing but i get the impression that's more of top down from mike zimmer and you know kind of an old-fashioned um control the the, yeah. the 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 field uh thing where stefanski you know he's an analytics guy he's going to be coming in and meeting regularly deep podesta uh they'll probably um have some more tricks up their sleeve for third and long situations but i do think he he he, he relied on the the play action and the boots when they worked because they, they it was like makeup that hit a lot of the flaws and just the lack of talent on the offensive line yeah and it, it really played to kirk cousin's strengths and obviously really played to dalvin cook's strengths um, but when they had to go for deep shots or, you know, seven step drops or they had to go on third and long, uh, they had plays drawn up where they could they could move the sticks. So, yeah, I was encouraged too. I just was was very interested in your thoughts on that. And then kind of to tying off of that. And, and it's interesting to me when you watch this offense was the second and long stuff. I think people really uh, made note of their, their their high usage of run rate in second and long situations. Was that something you noted? I mean, there's a difference between. You're watching a game and you're like, oh god, second and second and ten, here comes a run. Over against seeing a stat maybe week seven and being like, oh, I didn't really notice that. Was that something you felt like they did a lot? And did you feel like, let me ask you, this is kind of a two part question because this is this is tough. Did you feel like that that sort of we're going to be a run team even in predictable situations such as second and long? Um, we're going to be a run team no matter what. Do you feel like that was a Zimmer ultimatum, or do you feel like Stefanski's like this is who I want to be? You know, I feel like it was a top-down thing from Mike Zimmer, but I also think, you know, Stefanski, as much as he's an analytics guy, isn't going to, you know, just sort of, uh, you know, run play action on every single drop back and just never run the ball. I think and there was an interesting moment, I think, in August last year um, where somebody asked Kevin Stefanski um, what he thought about uh, whether you need to establish the run in, in order to run play action. And Stefanski kind of smirked and said, well, you know, I've read the articles. Um, but we just have to do what kind of makes sense for our team. Um, so, so you know, he's clearly he knows that a lot of the analytics folks out there know that running is generally less efficient. Um, I do think wide zone runs are not the same things like like running inside zone or duo or something sure. on second and long. Um, you know, I think last year the Rams running wide zone had 
a higher EPA per per drop per per wide zone run than they did on in a Jared Goff EPA per drop back. So you can't have an efficient running offense and not all second and 10 runs are the same. You know, sometimes if you get a good too high look because it's second and 10, it might make sense to hand off the ball as opposed to um, throwing the ball. But um, all that's to say, um, I think Stefanski realizes that there's an inefficiency in running the ball in a lot of situations, but he also understands that uh, especially when you're trying to do this, this sort of multiple um, boot action plus wide zone offense that they kind of go hand in hand and you have to marry them and that you have to uh, do both to, to really be an efficient offense. That's good to hear. I like hearing that stuff. And, and really that ties into my last question about Stefanski, which is if you had to describe him, Nick, in terms of what the Browns are getting, um, just sort of a, a short, maybe two sentences, this is what you should expect. This is what I think he is. This is sort of the consensus around the franchise. What is your feeling of what the Browns are getting from 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 Kevin? And that and that ties to like, you know, we're we're talking a lot about offense, which that's great. I think the Browns want to use the offensive structure. They, that's a big part of why they hired him. But there's more to it, as you know, and as we all sat through with Freddie Kitchens. There's more to coaching than just being able to call an offense. So, um, are they getting a guy who can handle the other duties, the management duties, the player respect duties? the uh, data duties, all of those things that come with being a head coach, time management things, some of those things you may not even know. But um, just sort of, do you think they're getting a guy that can do this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do. And you're sort of taking a shot in the dark when you're going from a one year of offensive coordinator to head coach. And now you got to be CEO and you got to be a player coach and you got to do the press conferences and you got to do everything. But everything we've seen so far suggests this is a guy whose future is very He's a very, very smart individual. The X's and O's, you're, you're sort of set there, but there's so much more to being a head coach than just drawing up a good scheme. And in, and while I, I trusted that he's going to execute a good scheme, I'm also really impressed with uh, his leadership, um, his ability to remain even keeled when situations get tumultuous. You might remember uh, for Vikings fans, there was this big drama after week four. They got kind of a bad loss after the Bears and Stefan Diggs, their star wide receiver, didn't show up to practice. He just skipped out, didn't wasn't even in town for like two days. And all of a sudden there were trade rumors going around. And Stefan Diggs is, is a tremendous talent, but he's always been a very emotional guy. Um, and he shows that emotion on the field and and he's kind of a big personality to manage. And you know, there's 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 the drama. Are the Vikings going to be forced to trade? Is there going to be a fire sale? Is their season over? And and you know, within a couple days, like it was all back to calm, and Stefan Diggs was back in practice, and it was like nothing happened. So there's this potential to be this sort of season derailing drama, and I think a lot of people credit Kevin Stefanski for his ability to sort of handle those personalities and deal with it, and you know, kind of deal out the appropriate punishment and maintain respect from the from the players, but still kind of have their backs as well and you know I think he's been so popular among the players Kyle Rudolph has talked really highly of him Case Keenum he was Case Keenum's quarterback's coach when Case Keenum suddenly looked like a really good quarterback um, he was uh, really close to Case Keenum too so I, I really think he's able to manage the player side you've seen evidence that would make you confident in a lot of these areas and you know anytime a head coach gets hired it's it's so much new stuff it's really taking um, a, a shot in the dark but I, I think you can have a lot of confidence from what we've seen so so far from Stefanski that he's going to be a good leader. I appreciate it, Nick. I, I, I can't thank you enough, man. This is, I'm sorry I went 15 minutes longer, but I think Browns fans and I know this podcast listeners will, will certainly appreciate all your insight, man. I, I can't thank you enough. No, I, I love it, honestly. Like I, I'm a Vikings fan, but it's I'm just so optimistic about Stefanski. I don't want to oversell him, but I just... 
I'm really I'm I'm one of the more optimistic guys about him. And I don't I know Browns fans don't need anybody to sell them hope, but I'm just very convinced that he's going to be somebody special in the league. So it'll be really interesting to see how it all comes together over the next couple of years. I'd cut that interview short at the end there with with some weird editing, but I I do think there's there's really great information in there, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hearing that again, big shout out to Nick doing that podcast way back when. It's it's good stuff. We'll be back on the regular schedule, uh, get our regular guests in here in the in the in the coming days. But I hope you guys did enjoy that interview. Hope you're having a great week. Thanks for joining us at the OBR. Appreciate all your support. And until we talk next time, go Browns. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.